Good afternoon, people, and welcome back to the Word Encounter. And here we are going to pick up in Exodus chapter 18. We see in chapter 17 that Moses uh, and Joshua have defeated um, Amalek as uh, uh, as they came to attack the Israelites. And so we pick it up here in chapter 18. And we see that uh, in verse 1, Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and for God's people, Israel, when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And so word had traveled fast, apparently, in that uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, heard about everything that the Lord had done for his people. And so he sought them out, and they, they had a, a reunion there out in the wilderness. And then uh, we see that on the next day in, chapter, in verse 13, Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is this thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And so Jethro is witnessing everything that's happening. And all these people are coming in, all the Israelites, because they have disputes with their brothers and sisters. And they're coming before Moses, essentially going to court so that they can get a judgment. Uh, in verse 15, it says, Moses replied to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. And so Moses is saying, I'm essentially doing what I'm supposed to do, Jethro. You know, dad, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. The people are coming before me. They know that uh, that I have the ear of the Lord and they're coming to me so I can judge what's going on. In verse 17, though, Joshua says, what you're doing is not good. Moses' father-in-law said to him, you will certainly wear out both yourself and these people um, who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. And so Jethro is trying to dispense some wisdom to Moses. He says, you can't be the end-all, be-all. You can't do everything uh, on your own. Now, for Moses uh, to actually make this come about, he has to implore one very important thing. Let me get to that. <clears throat> so we go down and it says, uh, uh, verse uh, 19, now listen to me. I will give you some advice, and God be with you. You are to be, no, you be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. So you bring the people's cases to God. In verse 21, but you should select from all the people uh, able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, and honest, or excuse me, God-fearing, trustworthy, and hating dishonest practice. Place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times, then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. And so in verse 24, it says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Now, what is this thing that's required for Moses to successfully uh, deploy this strategy or policy, if you will? He's going to need trust. He's going to have to trust in the individuals to uh, handle the minor cases and to discern the difference between what's a minor case and what's a major case that has to come before Moses. But to successfully do this, he has to trust. And the other thing I found interesting in this is that 
the Lord has been speaking to Moses. He's been talking to Moses, talking to Moses. It's, it's very easy for a person in that uh, position, in my opinion, to think that, okay, the Lord is talking to me. He's the only one I need to listen to because he's talking directly to me. But here comes Jethro, Jethro dropping some advice on him and some wisdom. And Moses had the wisdom and discernment to take it and to utilize it and to deploy it. And so uh, I, I just thought that was awesome. So if we go on to chapter 19, it says, uh, in the third month from the very day that Israelites, that the Israelites left the land of Egypt, they came to the Sinai wilderness. And so they came to a wilderness three months after they had left Egypt. In verse three, Moses went up to the mountain. So the people are encamped in front of Mount Sinai. And uh, Moses went up to the mountain to God and the Lord called him from the mountain. This is what you must uh, say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried uh, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Verse five. Now, if you will certainly carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. And so God is telling Moses what to tell the people. If you will keep my commandments, this is what the result will be. This is what the situation will be, but it's conditional. You have to keep my commandments. And so uh, in verse eight, it says, then all the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has spoken. And so they are affirming that, yes, we will do this, Lord. We will follow your tenets. We will follow your commandments. In verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. So the Lord is telling Moses, I'm going to confirm you before the people so that they know that this stuff that's coming out of your mouth is not just from you, but it's from me because I am going to confirm my word. I'm going to appear to them in a dense cloud and they're going to see this and they're going to hear stuff and know that you are my chosen uh, spokesman. And so uh, that is very important because again, the Lord is making demonstration before the people and he's confirming what he's saying. But sometimes apparently that's not enough. And so, uh, so Moses goes up, speaks to the, goes up the mount, speaks to the Lord, and then he comes back down. And in verse twenty, the Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain. Excuse me, I got that backwards. So the Lord came down; he summoned Moses up, and Moses goes up to speak to him. And it's at this time when Moses goes up to speak to him that the Lord starts dropping the Ten Commandments on him. And so. We see that um, uh, in, in chapter 20, then God spoke all these words. Uh, verse two, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. In verse two, do not have any other gods besides me. I'm a jealous God. Don't have any other gods besides me. Verse uh, four, do not make an idol for yourself whether in the shape of anything in the heavens or above or on the earth. So don't make any any images that you're going to bow down to and worship. No, 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 no. Uh, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And so the Lord is equating those who make idols 
as those who hate him. This is his word, not mine. And so then we see in verse seven, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You know, don't don't misuse his name. In verse eight, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. And so honor your father and mother so that you will have a long life. So recognizing that honoring your father and, and, and mother has benefits, you know, aside from just doing the right thing and, 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 and watching over your parents and whatnot when they need it and that sort of thing and not treating them with disdain. <clears throat> in verse thir- 13, do not murder. Now, keep in mind, the Bible distinguishes between killing and murder. And this word is saying, do not murder. In verse 14, do not commit adultery. In verse 15, do not steal. In verse 16, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Don't lie about your neighbors. Don't exaggerate. In verse 17, do not cover, covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet, covet your neighbor's wife. And these aren't just people that live next to you. These are people in your community. This is your fellow man. Don't covet what somebody else has. And so in verse 18, we see all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounding, um, surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us, and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or else we will die. In verse 20, Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you so that you will fear him and not sin. And so Moses is confirming, look, God isn't trying to kill you. He's trying to help you because he doesn't want you to sin because he knows that you can't stand in his presence with sin present in you. And so as we go on to chapter 21 and a lot of the subsequent chapters, um, the Lord is dropping more uh, daily living uh, commandments, policies, if you will, on Moses. You know, he's telling them, you know, he's giving them laws about um, about their pers- personal injury. You know, he, I mean, he's getting into, into some details. You know, he's, he's talking about, um, you know, uh, striking your father uh, or, or striking your mother. You must be put to death. You know, he talks about theft I mean, in chapter 22, laws about theft. You know, he talks about uh, laws about crop protection. He talks about laws about personal property. He says laws about, you know, seduction. He gets into to all of these things. He talks about capital offenses. You know, do not do the things uh, that will call you to, to be killed. One of them, interesting, in verse 29 in chapter 22, whoever has sexual intercourse with an animal must be put to death. And so he's going into detail about what the situation is uh, as far as his laws are concerned. <clears throat> he talks about laws about honesty and justice. In chapter 23, he gets into Sabbaths. He gets into promises and warnings he gives to people. Uh, in verse 24, he talks about the covenant ceremony. One of the things I found interesting in verse uh, chapter 24, verse 9, um, uh, that Moses went up to Aaron and they have in 70 of Israel's elders. And they saw and, and they saw the God of Israel beneath his feet was something like pavement made of lapis uh, lazuli as clear as the sky itself. And in verse 11, God did not harm the Israelite nobles. They saw him and they ate and drank. And so they sat, they actually sat in God's presence. And so 
in verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commandments I have written for their instructions. And so the Lord uh, invites Moses back up to the mount so that he can give him the instructions in, in tablet form. Um, in verse uh, 17, the appearance of the Lord's glory to the Israelites, you know, the elders and, and those, um, was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. In verse 18, Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain and he remained on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And so Moses went up the, uh, the mountain. He sat in the presence of the Lord inside the cloud for 40 days and 40 nights, essentially being dictated to. And he's, you know, writing things down with regard to uh, what they're to do. Uh, in verse 24, excuse me, chapter 25, he gets into the details of building the tabernacle, building the um, the building uh, where worship for him, where he will reside amongst the people and worship will take place. He talks about the Ark of the Covenant. Again, he's given details and specifics and dimensions on how to build it, what it's to look like. He talks about the table for the bread of his presence. You know, there'll be 12 loaves of bread representing each tribe of Israel uh, uh, in the in the tabernacle, in the temple. And what that should look like. He talks about the lampstand, what the lampstand is to look like. Then he gets into the tabernacle, you know, the specifics and the details and the dimensions with regard to how it's to be built. Then he talks about, you know, the offerings in the tabernacle, what's to happen, how that, how that's supposed to look, what's supposed to come about. The courtyard outside the temple, what that's supposed to be, the dimensions, everything. In chapter 28, he talks about the garb that the priest is supposed to wear, what it's to look like, how it's to, you know, how it's to fit, the, the materials it's to be made out of. He's given detail again with regard to all of this stuff. Um, we go on, what the robe is to look like, what it's to be made of. You know, then he talks about consecration, how you're to consecrate yourself before me. He's giving all of these instructions in chapter 29 to Moses with regard to how this is supposed to be. And then in chapter 30, he talks about the bronze basin. He talks about, you know, the, 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 the uh, incense and the altar. He talks about the anointing oil. And so he's going through all of these details. And then in chapter 31, uh, it says, the Lord also spoke to Moses. Look, I have appointed by name. Uh, Bazillo, I guess, son of Uri, a son of Ur, uh, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft to design artistic works in silver, gold, and bronze. And so he has given people the ability to worship before him and what's, what's to be built. And in verse 18, when he finished speaking to Moses, on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of testimony, uh, stone tablets inscribed.